cliffcentral.com. I want to talk to somebody who has been on the show before. He's a, he's a, he's a friend of ours. He's also an advertising guru. He's done an incredible amount of, of really interesting work in his life. But we're not going to talk about any of that today. We're going to talk about his book, which he's just written. And it's not his first either. He's been a very successful author for some time. And now he's written this. It's called You Never Really Know. His name is John Hunt. It's always good to see you, John. Nice to have you on the show this morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you, sir. How are you? Extremely well. I had a very nice lunch with John the other day because we decided bugger this we haven't done anything normal for a while we were all in lockdown john had some very important work to do there too while we were in lockdown and uh and he's been apart from writing books he's been uh trying to to keep the country together and trying to make sure that advertising continues to advance in all the right directions so you really haven't been slacking huh the last couple of months you've been working harder than most of us <laughs> yeah it's um Let's say uh, COVID has had has its own rewards in terms of when you're trapped in front of a screen and no one lets everyone knows where you are, so you can't do this kind of I'm in the car or I'm driving somewhere <laughs> else. So time is well well used, whether you like it or not. So John, I mean, was there was there pressure for you to write a book, or was it in you and you just couldn't wait to do it? Did the excuse of lockdown give you time to do it, or is this something that was always going to happen with or without all the craziness we've been through? Um, definitely no pressure except from myself. Yeah. Uh, and I felt the need to do it. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it's much easier when you feel you have to do something. Right. You know, if the third party is telling you what to do, then you know, it doesn't work. But, um, I really, really wanted to write uh, this particular book in this particular time. And, um, it was it kind of strange because the book was written before, uh, COVID, mm -hmm. but then, edited it during this kind of weird last sort of 18 months. So, um, yeah, it was something that was, was in me and I'm very, very happy to uh, say that so far it seems to be, you know, well received. Well, I, I love, I've only just started it and, um, it's it's really it's you know novels are not something I usually read, but you, you write so beautifully and, and your last book was really a kind of, it was sort of autobiographical, even though it wasn't, because it was set in places that you'd grown up in and a Johannesburg that you know really well. This is a very different book in, in every way. It's the story, really, of a, of a, of a kid who grows up um, in this, this extraordinary environment where it's the president's private house, the president of this country, and he gets to have a first row seat, a front row seat to all kinds of history unfolding, but his own life is really messy. I mean, he, he's basically an orphan and he grows up, you know, with, with access to all of this uh, amazing stuff happening around him, but, but exactly the opposite of privilege in every other way. Was this inspired by anyone in particular? Or is this totally the fruit of your imagination? Well, um, there was a, I think it was a movie and a book which was called um, Stalin's Projectionist. And it was the whole, um, here was this guy who was just a projectionist, but he could hear, see, watch all that was going on with the then, you know, the, the, the mighty Communist Party. And I always thought how cool it would be to be a fly on a wall where you sort of witness the, the, the mighty, um, but you're a nothing. 
So I created a character that is really the barista to the president in his unofficial residence. So he, he gets to see and hear anything, but of course he's a nobody, he's a shadow. Yeah. Um, so I thought that would be, you know, you get investigative journalism and then you get sort of, you know, I don't know, people that are, were married to powerful people, but to be one of those servants to be kind of part of the entourage, but in a very, very distant way. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a nice to, to, to watch and I made up what I, I thought powerful people would be doing and saying. And some of it, of course, based on what, you know, the world's been through in the last couple of years. Listen, I, I've, uh, as I said to you, just started it, but it's terrific. So I'm, I'm very excited to get into the, the meat of this. And obviously, because it's you, it's, it's, it's always, there's always a twist in the tail. There's always these things that we think we can relate to and then we're surprised by stuff. The actual process of writing, um, and you say it was written before coronavirus and before the lockdown. Is it for you a very easy process or do you, do you sit there and, and some days you get this infamous writer's block? Or does it just flow? Yeah, um, it depends. To be honest, I'm a slow writer, so I have to write often. So the only way I can do that is to get up every morning and do it. I would love the idea of sort of, you know, there's a sunset and you're drinking a nice bottle of wine and the muse comes and plays a harp for you and then it's fantastic and <laughs> it doesn't work away from you. <laughs> Don't ruin our vision of you, Mr. That's what we think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's like someone giving me a massage, yeah. you know. Fanning you with palm, palm leaves. Exactly, exactly. But um, it's the exact opposite for me, unfortunately. I heard an incredible story over the weekend. Um, someone told me that Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, one of the most famous books um, of the 20th century, apparently Harper Lee's friends actually got together and said, listen, you're so talented and we would love you to write a book. And we are going to give you money for a year. You take a year off to write this book. And we don't want you to do anything except write the book. Your your expenses will be covered by all of us, your friends. And go off and do this. And, of course, she went and wrote this masterpiece. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not. But that's, I mean, I have no reason to disbelieve it. And, and certainly my, my very rudimentary fact check seems to have delivered that it was true that this happened. Do you think it's do you think it's harder for authors when they do have all the normal day-to-day real life stuff to think about as distractions or to consider you know their responsibilities you know you've got a family you've got an advertising agency to run that kind of thing I think we should test it. I think the Gareth Cliff show should give me money for a year and let's see what I do. You know, like I'm, I'm very happy with that offer, Gareth. Thank Great you so point. much. I'll be your well, assistant. <laughs> um, look, I think different authors have different um, ways of, of working and different motivations. I think uh, probably if it's too easy, it's a little bit um, – yeah, for, for, for some people, it's what the hell do I fill my time with? Other people will always complain that they never have enough time to write. Uh, in the end, it's up to you. You, you. Some people write in little moments of half an hour, and then they have to, you know, off to the office. 99% of people write squeezing it into the other part of their lives where they, they have to make stuff happen. So uh, it's a commitment from a time point of view, and only the very, very, very wealthy or famous authors get to do it full time and at their own pleasure. Yeah, and and, and then we don't know we don't know if they're taking like three months and, and just 
slacking completely and not even touching their work, you know. <laughs> so, John, I noticed, I noticed there's a surfboard in the background there. Is that yours? Oh, yes. So, so that's, there's a, a great little side story there. Um, the chairman then of TBWA, a very famous guy called Lee Clow, yeah. and back in the day, Lee would give um, an agency or person in one of the global agencies uh, a national surfboard if they thought you'd had a really great year. So that's a surfboard made in L.A. by yeah. a very famous, um, of course, very uh, Californian. He's a surfboard artiste. Yeah. And um, each year or most years, Lee would choose a country that he thought the advertising was really good from that year and give them their surfboard. <laughs> so there's surfboard from, from Lee. Yeah. I love it. So, so speaking of advertising, I mean, what's been happening in, in the last couple of months and how things changed for, for you guys at, at TBWA? I know you've, you've worked all over the world and, you know, when you and, and Reg started Hunt Lascaris all those years ago, um, you, you had this dream of becoming this massive worldwide agency and you've achieved that in bucket loads. But the advertising industry has changed enormously and, and no more than now or no less than now, should we say. What's been happening? Yeah, look, I think it's really been interesting because in one way we've got a, a very um, clear, I wouldn't say a wake-up call, but a very clear observation that working often from home and remotely has taken out call it the middleman or to be politically correct, the middle person. Um, <laughs> so there's no, there, there's efficiencies that, you know, faster, quicker. Um, you wouldn't get, you know, often I'd either be traveling to other countries or you're having all these meetings that's gone. So from a purely efficiency point of view, lots mm. of ticks in lots of boxes. Yeah. Um, but if your business is built on a culture, um, I think we're, we're beginning to see the first strains appearing where, um, yeah, you can work from your bedroom or if you've got a nice home, even better. But there's, you know, we, we're human animals, we're social animals. And I think there is the beginning of, you know, we need to see each other. We need that coffee and crack a joke and meet people in the passageway. So I think the next few months is going to be if the COVID protocols allow, how do you return to the new normal where you are still human beings and maybe even enjoying your drive into work for a change sure. versus sort of isolated, but very you know, maybe efficient or, you know, everyone works well, at least eight isn't it, hours. Isn't it interesting though? And, and as somebody who's, who's kind of in charge of, of seeing a lot of this change happen and, and managing it, it's amazing how some people like to be, left alone at home and they actually get more done than they might have done in the office. And then there are those, those people who, as you've indicated already, they like to be in the office. It's important for them. They need that stimulation. They need to feel part of something. And the two are so different. Yeah. And it's, and it's not always, but it's a little generational. Um, younger seem to be a little more mobile and, hey, I'll, you know, I'll work from the top of Table Mountain. I think it's a combination of both and you can't force one. You know, on the other, you've got to be a little circumspect. Um, and a lot of homes, it's interesting, um, flats are being built now, apartments are being built around the world with little acoustic booths yeah. because that's, oh, from now on, 
many, many people will be building, will, will be working from home. So it's really affecting, you know, stuff that we, we don't fully appreciate yet. But I'm, I still think there comes a time and a place where you, you need to bond a little bit. Um, and uh, let's find a new, new mix over the next couple of months and years. Right. Well, I think uh, we're all trying to figure it out. So no one really knows at this point. So, you know, if you, if you feel like you're making mistakes, you're probably not the only one. Let's just go back to the book for a second. So you've written two other books. I mean, the space between the space between was the first one that you wrote. And then the boy yeah. who could keep a swan in his head, which I mentioned briefly earlier. Um, you know, this, this kid who grew up in, in Hillbrow in Johannesburg. Now you, you never really know, uh, is very different to these two books. Was was it um, your intention to? Because I suppose you you could have you could have written about anything. And the nice thing about writing fiction is that you can base it on a character, you can base it on a storyline. Where do you even begin with something like this? As someone who doesn't write, I'm I'm fascinated in the process with the process. So everyone has their own process. For me, I kind of get the noodle of a story developing, and I can put. When I, I sit down, I've got the arc. You know, it's going to be the beginning, the middle, and the end. Yeah. Then when I start writing, that changes. But I have to have that sort of broad. <laughs> you know, um, so there's like a sort of security. Okay, it's going to. So this is going to be about. So for me, this was going to be about a barista. I like the idea. I, I love coffee, and um, I thought it's kind of cool to have a, a barista. Um, he was going to look in, get a bird's eye view of, uh, not a bird's eye view, but a little fly on the wall view of power. Right. And he was going to not stay powerless somehow, whatever. And he sees, um, he sees all the corruption and he sees how the politicians deal with each other. But he himself, isn't his name also Cappuccino, which is so funny because yeah, it yeah. refers, <laughs> it refers to like a, a mixed race heritage and he, he, part of the story is also, you know, he has to find out who his father was. Um, Correct. Th this is very South African. I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to this stuff. Yeah, that seems to be the, the, the feeling from uh, people who've kindly sent me, you know, little SMSs and, and contacted me that it's the ultimate in their, you know, so it's a South African story. It, it talks about all this stuff that we're going through now, so it's very current, but it's not political grandstanding. It's not, uh, as I say, investigative journalism. It's somewhere else. It's, it allows me to have lots of fun, and if you know, if I want to give the president a big nose, I can do that. If I yeah. want to um, his uh, assistant, uh, Naomi, she's drop-dead gorgeous. Um, you know, you know to, it, so it's not based on fact. It's just sure. based on me having... Um, a lot of fun in what is happening in well in in what appears to be happening not just in in South Africa but around the world. You know, politics is a very weird place right oh my now. God. So absolutely, it's not a, not a political critique. It's me no. going, let's you know, wow. Im imagine if you were a barista and you were watching all this. You know, mm. well, dot, 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 dot. I I always like to check in with you because you seem to have a very level-headed approach to so many things and we've we've been through such a tumultuous year and obviously writing books and and reading books like this is a bit of escapism but the reality is that we have had this incredible change and so much has happened how are you feeling about not only 
South Africa, but the world right now. You've, you've always been a very positive guy and, and you've, you've had a great optimistic outlook on life. How are you feeling about things? Do you think we're in a, a terrible position and, you know, all these people are running around saying it's, everything's negative and it's all falling apart? Or are you, are you much more sanguine about things and, you know, no country's dealt with it better than any other one necessarily? Yeah, I mean, if you want to be negative, you can put up a lot of justifiable things. So that's always, you know, um, where a lot of people start. And you can, you've got a tick box of a lot of, of, of negative things. I'm a bit of a born-again optimist kind of guy in that I always see things swinging. Yeah. So as it gets to one extreme, you sort of hold your breath and go, please, Lord, please, and then slowly <laughs> uh, things swing back. Not always at the speed you like. So I think the world is at quite an extreme moment, yeah. particularly through COVID, et cetera, et cetera. And that's been pushed and pressurized. And um, that optimistic part of me goes, okay, so now you have to readdress. You've done so many stupid things or you behaved in you know, such a selfish way. No, you know, let's, let's see the, the pendulum start moving the other way. And I, I think that's what's happening now. So that's my, um, my, my chirpy good morning piece of, of um, sort of my own propaganda. That's what I tell myself because nice. I think people inherently are good. We need to. I think we. Go on. No, I just think people, you know, there are a lot of schmucks and terrible people in the world, but there are also <laughs> a lot of wonderful people who um, just go about their business every day. Yeah. Well, I've got to tell you, um, I'm always impressed that you, you have the creative output that you do. The book is called You Never Really Know. It's uh, John Hunt's latest work and is available at good bookstores and online, obviously, too. Um, have they have they forced you to do an audiobook version yet, John? Because you could narrate this beautifully. No, but I think that's that's in the mix. And as you know, audio around the world is just growing lickety split. So mm. um, in many parts of the world now, that almost starts off with audio. You know, you do the audio first, yeah, and then um, off you go. So, and a, a, a quick aside, I was in um, Franschhoek last year, and a guy tapped me on the shoulder. Malcolm Gooding, you yes. might remember, he was a very, is a famous voiceover. And he told me how many of our South African voiceover artists mm -hmm. from the old days in radio are yeah. now employed overseas doing wonderful uh, readings of um, various famous authors' books. Fantastic. So, see, positiveness everywhere. You just got to find it. Um, John, well done on the yeah. book. It's always good to see you. And thanks Thank for, you. thanks for, for, keeping the rest of us sane and optimistic it's important good to see you thanks for having me on the show always good there's john hunt everybody cliffcentral.com